Welcome to the Talent Talk with Robert Walters podcast, where we speak to business leaders around the globe to bring you the latest trends and insights from the world of work. Welcome to Robert Walters' Leading from the Front Diversity and Inclusion podcast. My name is Suzanne Feeney, and I'm a director with the Robert Walters Irish Business. As a recruitment organization, we see firsthand how keen companies are to improve on DNI. However, there are many unanswered questions that employers are often unsure who or how to ask. The aim of our podcast series is to help address some of the myths that exist and also inform employers about the steps they can take to be more inclusive. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Jan McDonough, CEO of the Open Doors Initiative. Jan, you're very welcome, and thank you for taking the time out to join us today. Perhaps you could start with the Open Doors Initiative. Can you tell us um, a little bit more about this and its purpose? Sure, and thank you very much for having me on today. Um, The Open Doors Initiative is a group of over 80 companies and NGOs. Um, We work with government to create pathways to employment for marginalised people. And with our members, we create internships, scholarships, training courses, help entrepreneurs and help people into full or part-time employment. And they're from a range of backgrounds and abilities. And the key areas uh, we work in are with refugees, asylum seekers and migrants, people with disabilities and disadvantaged youth. And that could include offshoots like people from a traveler background or LGBTQI and so on. And with them, we offer online training, mentorships, assisted learning seminars, uh, in-house training for your existing employees, and can also assist with funding for training courses. And we have regular get togethers with the companies and the supporting partners we work with to share learnings around DNI and how they can create more inclusion within their organizations. And just as a total add, our website is opendoorsinitiative.ie and there's a lot more information about what we do and the work we carry out. Fantastic. And, you know, A lot of the work being done in Ireland at the moment is very much and has been very much um, around gender and more, I suppose, more recently around ethnic um, diversity in the workplace. Um, But as you've mentioned there, Open Doors goes beyond this and looks at further marginalised groups, um, such as those with disabilities, migrants and refugees and disadvantaged youth. What's your argument to people who say that you know, we're, we're yet to make enough progress on the more widespread diversity issues before addressing another layer? Well, when you're striving to build an equitable society, all boats rise when you have that mindset. And you can't be inclusive of some people and not of others. It's all or nothing. So when you campaign for inclusion, you leave no one out. And you have to recognise the fact that some groups face struggles to be on an equitable level with others and may need a little more help. So if you visualize three people looking over a wall into, I don't know, a game or something, one or two of them may need a box to see over the wall. And that's what we're about. We're about putting the boxes in place that make it equitable for everyone. And it's all on merit. They get the work on merit and that's really important. 
So all our participants, they're a blend of people of all genders, different backgrounds and abilities. And all of us succeed when they benefit. So by helping them up and by helping everyone up, everyone benefits. And John, what, from your experience, you know, um, of working with marginalized groups, what, what, you know, what do employers commonly get wrong then with their behavior and, and treatment and accommodation of people from different backgrounds? Okay, I wouldn't say they get it wrong. I'd say it's more a misunderstanding or a lack of knowledge. Um, a lot of employers think that the people we work with only have certain skills and are only suitable for certain low-grade work. And that just isn't true. We have people with doctorates. We have people with NAs with a wide, from a wide range of disciplines. And they have expert training and skills and expertise. And we want people to see past their assumptions and bias and assist these people to shine here in Ireland in what they do and help them overcome any barriers to their goals and to work with their abilities. And it's not one size fits all. Humans are individuals and each person has a specific skill set and needs, which we try and cater for by working with employers on this. So what is really essential and what is a key learning is that you take the lead from the person themselves and allow them to tell you what they aspire to and help them attain that. And sometimes this only requires very minor supports to achieve this. And another key thing is career progression. Just because you hire someone in one position, it doesn't mean they don't aspire to move up the ladder and move within the company. And effort should be made to see what is it they're looking for and how to develop them, same as any other employee or any other member of staff, and help them do that. And one really important thing to note is there's been countless, countless studies that show that a diverse work, workforce benefits a company. It helps its existing employees. It helps the person you're working with. It impacts positively on the bottom line. It impacts on the company culture. And it leads to the production of very creative and lateral thinking. So it's a benefit for companies. And they, they need to realize that and embrace it. Absolutely. And, you know, I loved your point kind of earlier about it. It has to be all or nothing. Um, you know, you know, inclusion is about it's about everyone. Um, but in a time of uncertainty that we're in at the moment and, and cutbacks, which I think, you know, unfortunately are um, having an impact in, in many sectors and inter, um, industries. What's your message to companies that feel that they mightn't have the resources to focus on enhancing their DNI practices at the moment? Like, have you any key message or advice around that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, DNI is not some shiny token you take off the shelf during the good times and parade around and say, look, aren't we brilliant? And then put it away the minute there's budget constrictions or a change of personnel or some cause goes out of fashion. And DNI is meeting an unmet need, which suffers most in terms in times of recession. And DNI should be driven by this need, not by what is fashionable or budgets or you know tokenism. 
And it has to be a really consistent, truly held value by the company and a really well embedded practice for all times and not just for the purpose of newspaper columns. Um, the companies who really have it ingrained in their DNA tend to double down on DNI during difficult times, um, especially for people who've been really affected by the pandemic and by unemployment. And it's also, it's a long-term practice, which is benefits for the companies on many levels. It's, it's not a loss leader, but it's a valuable addition to any company's armory. And also one thing to remember is it need not be costly. There's many innovative practices that have come about and that companies and their employees can get engaged in, for example, volunteering or mentoring, and they have minimal cost and really great return. And that's something we work at through Open Doors. We create bespoke DNI practices for the companies we work with, and we can meet all levels, all sizes, all needs. But just to go back to your original question, DNI is for life, not just for Christmas. Fantastic. And just in terms of some of the practices, the innovative practices you've mentioned there, you know, I was looking through some of the um, case studies around, you know, some of the, the programs or employability interventions that your participant um, companies, you know, have supported or been involved in. Um, and there's some really fantastic um, programs and initiatives there, uh, you know, in, in relation to those, because there, there's so many different types of initiatives that can be done. Um, are there any that have stood out for you in particular about um, around being, you know, quite simple and easy to implement while also having exceptional results or have really made a change in those organisations that has been, um, you know, longstanding or will, will continue on for life, as you say? Are there any that particularly stand out? Um, well, I'll talk about the one which started us all off on this journey. And that was a programme called Learning for Life, which Diageo run and run in a number of companies. Um, but it came about, we've been doing it for four years. I've been running the programme within Diageo. And it came about that the Supreme Court made a decision to allow refugees to work in certain areas for a certain length of time. So we ran a course, uh, it's training in hospitality, and we ran it in Mosney because people couldn't travel, they didn't have the means, you know, childcare, so on and so forth. So we ran it in Mosney and we interviewed 100 people and out of that we chose 22. And it was one of the best courses we've ever run. And everyone was so engaged, so enthusiastic, so brilliant within the course. And a lot of them went on, they went on a number of different routes. Some went into hospitality, some went into further education. They decided, no, this is giving me a end to develop my skills and went on. And some went into totally different jobs, but they wouldn't have had the opportunity before doing that training. So um, at the graduation, which was just one of the highlights of my time there, um, Minister David Stanton was uh, there to hand out the certificates. 
And he gave the impetus to scale up. He said, this is really important work. Other companies need to be doing that. And out of this, Open Doors was born. So that course continues to this day. It's gone online. It's been rejigged for COVID. Um, but that's only one example. Um, all of our companies are doing really interesting work in a variety of areas, and uh, depending on the type of work they do, their interests. Some are helping people into education. Some are helping train people for to get job ready. Um, we have over 75 people trained as mentors and they each have a mentee at the moment. That's just started. And that's a really valuable resource for people starting out or looking at what area they want to work in. And they're all from the companies we work with and we'll be developing that program further. Um, another area that's proving really um, useful, especially at this time, is we have numerous online courses and we're encouraging all our participants to use them, to use this time to upskill, to explore different areas, different areas of work they may not have come across before, get upskilled in them. There's some with accreditation. So at least when we emerge from this, they have something to take from this time. And if they need help with looking at these courses or choosing the courses, we have assisted learning in place. So we'll help the people work through what best suits their skills. That's fantastic. And I think so many different options there as well. Um, just in relation to um, employers, um, what type of resources might they be able to access through open doors you know if if they do really want to get more involved kind of in this area if they do want to um, perhaps avail of some of these resources to apply to their own business um, are there employer specific resources um, that they should be aware of in the open doors initiative we take a very collaborative approach we work with all our different companies and ngos and government and supporting partners to, to bring best practice to the fore and to share the learnings within the different companies. So one company could have done training or another company could have employed someone with a disability and we pool all those learnings. So we're not reinventing the wheel. We're, we're actually working with best practice and developing ideas as they go. So there's a number of areas in which we work with companies and we help them create internships. We help them get people on pathways to education through scholarships and so on, and with some of our academic partners. We help them put training programs in place and they can be specific to what they do or it can be a more general training program. And we also work with our HR department uh, to make sure they have best practice, say, for example, in job descriptions that are going out, that they are inclusive and use inclusive wording. We also talk to the employees in town halls or in smaller groups, and we tell them about how best to accommodate people from for different backgrounds and different abilities. And, you know, a lot of them have questions they're unsure of, and we create a safe space where we can answer those questions. And all our executives have lived experience in one area or another, 
And we bring that to bear on any work we do or any talks we give or advice we give. Um, we also, we, we have a wide range of other programs and projects. And as I said earlier, it's all on a bespoke basis. So we work directly with the company and see what best fits for them and help them grow through that. And John, what would you, like if there were an immediate action point that um, you could ask of all CEOs or business leaders or, you know, senior leaders who actually, you know, have responsibility for, for change in their organizations, you know, what would be that action that you would recommend or you'd ask of them right now? Uh, get informed, learn about different backgrounds, about different cultures, religions, abilities. Go for coffee with someone and who's lived experience and ask them the questions without being intrusive, but you know, build up your own resources so you know more about the various areas. Uh, read and watch material on the history of these uh, groups and their experiences and how it shapes where they are today. Go to seminars by people who have lived experience and, and hear it from the person itself. It's person-centered. And I keep saying that and I always will. You have to be guided by the person. And really importantly, become an ally to people and campaign for equality and equability for all people. Don't just have it as a nice to have or in your head thinking, oh yes, of course I agree and I should do something, action it. Become really enmeshed in the different areas of which you are interested in and which you want to support and be proactive in it. Fantastic. and. I think there's often the, not misconception, but an understanding that perhaps um, all of this sits just with kind of senior leaders or management to affect the change, when in actual fact, you know, it sits with, with everybody, each and every one of us. What advice might you give maybe an employee in an organisation who really wants to improve? I, I would imagine it's the same type of advice that we, we give, but, um, you know, who might want to improve their behaviour or understanding of, of diversity and, and inclusion? Is there anything additional that the, the individual can do that maybe isn't in a management or a leadership position? Well, one thing is if someone new starts in a company, be a friend to them, help them. Besides all the usual questions of where do I get a coffee or where's the bathroom or how do I get in touch with such and such, you know, buddy up with them, be, be offered to be a buddy to that person and answer all those questions that all of us have when we're starting a new job or we're in a new place. Explain the culture, explain how things work, you know, be a real support system to them and welcome them and make them feel uh, as much at home as you can, especially in the initial stages, and and stay connected, and learn from them as well. You know, there is real issues for some people around disclosure. They may have um, a physical disability, but they may have a background disability. They don't want to disclose. You know, there's things such as um, the. Uh, reasonable accommodation passport but I would go one further and have a disclosure passport 
that allows the person, if they're comfortable and if they trust you, that they have someone to talk to and to get help with, apart from their boss, because that's a different dynamic. That's a different relationship. But if you have peer support as well, that's really important and can just make the whole process a lot easier and give them a resource they can turn to should they need it. Um, and, and it's human, it's human nature. I mean, for both people in senior management, for employees right across the, the firm, you know, we all want to make connections, especially when we're starting off in a new job and we're nervous and we're scared to ask what you might consider to be silly questions or whatever. So just make a really generous, open space where people can ask the questions where they feel welcomed and it's not highlighting the difference but actually inviting them into the company and saying actually you're one of us now. That sounds like great advice to create that truly inclusive environment. Um, I have to say I really love that um, idea of a disclosure passport. Um, I think that's really really important. Um, Jan, you mentioned um, reasonable accommodation. Can you can you talk us through this a little bit more? Just uh, a lot of employers may not necessarily kind of understand this um, in you know properly. So can you just talk us through this? Sure. Well, a lot of employers presume they know what people need as opposed to asking the person, and rather than knocking walls and buying unnecessary equipment or assuming the need for certain practices, I think it's really key that you talk to the person and ask them what enables them to perform best. And I mean, that means getting it right, right before the interview process, from the job application to the interview process and using facilities as we talked about, such as a reasonable accommodation passport that clearly lays out what the person's needs are and you can both work together to um, arrive at the best accommodation for the person. And I, a buddy system is really important there because it helps the person integrate. It helps the person in the first few nervous weeks in any place that we all have. And I think that should be something that's a given when someone gets a position that a buddy is nominated to support them and help them in the first while. And, and this can cover a lot of different areas. For example, asking a person if they need a prayer room or if they observe certain religious tenants and like Ramadan where, where they're fasting all day. And so obviously you don't want them to be forced to sit in a canteen where people are having food and drink and so on. And, and they may have certain clothing restrictions and how best to make it work. And Dublin Bus are a really good example of this because they've worked in the break that the, the breaks between traveling that drivers who observe certain religious um, tenants can work in their prayer time. And I think that's a really good example of being very flexible in the work and allowing more people into work um, and being respectful of their beliefs. Um, another example might be a person with autism. Uh, to talk to them about what environment and working practices best suit them 
because it's not one size fits all. Everyone is an individual, everyone is different. And the key thing is to keep the person front and center in all decision-making about them because they know best what they need. Thanks, John. That sounds like really, really good advice. So keep the individual front and center um, and allow them actually be involved in, in what you're doing for them. And John, what's your uh, vision for um, progress um, in, in this space for 2021? Well, the stats are against people from disadvantage. Pre-COVID, only 26.2% of people with a disability that they were overt about were employed. And that just strikes me as crazy because there are people with real skill sets, real skills, and I think COVID has taught us that we can adapt and we can change. Remote working is very suitable for some people with disabilities. You don't require reasonable accommodation because they have it all in their own homes. Or if you're living in a direct provision center, you mightn't be able, they tend to be quite a distance away from major urban centers. So you mightn't be able to travel or you mightn't have if you're from a disadvantaged background, the tools like the computer and the broadband and the means to buy lunch every day or wear the right clothes, all of those things. And they're, they seem small, but they're all barriers and they all amplify difference. So I would hope that we learn the lessons from COVID we use the new technologies and the new learnings to benefit everyone. And a lot of assistive technology has gone on to benefit the wider population, for example, that's been originally developed for people with disabilities. So you know, we've benefited, so we should be inclusive in that benefit and create um, the workspaces of the future that enable more people to get involved, to get jobs, look at jobs, maybe they don't have to be full-time, they can be part-time, which will allow people to work in different ways and, and just be a lot more agile in our thinking around work and how best we can accommodate people and how best we can bring that creative lateral mix into our workplaces because it benefits the company, it benefits the employees, and it benefits the work. So it's it's really, as far as I'm concerned, a no-brainer. The more inclusion we can get into these spaces, the better. So that's that's my hope. Fantastic. And I think hopefully more of that change um, will come about this year. I think um, certainly the pandemic, um, while it has been a, a very anxious, frightening time on so many levels, um, it has certainly um, catapulted a level of change around, you know, working environment and work practice, um, which, as you say, hopefully allows just for more inclusive organisations um, and settings. Um, so hopefully we see a lot more of this over the course of, of this year. Jan, thank you so much for sharing um, all of that information and, and insights today and, you know, examples of different programs that you've been involved in and that are seeing great results at the moment. 
Um, just before we conclude, um, could you share the website again, just for those listening that might be interested in accessing some of the resources that are available? Sure, our website is www.opendoorsinitiative.ie and we'd welcome any queries or any questions you may have to follow up. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Dan. And, uh, you know, the very best of luck um, to you all at Open Doors this year and um, all the great work that you're doing. Thanks for joining us today. Um, it's been great. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye.